Tampa Bay's Tan Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. There are four guys named John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Are you a mod or a rocker? Uh, no, I'm a mocker. And they've just decided, for the first time, they're going to break all the rules. Where are you going, John? She does show me a stamp collection. In the next 24 hours, they're going to throw out their schedules, ignore their obligations, and get a taste of freedom. Don't move any of you. The place is surging with girls. Please, sir, sir, can I have one to serve you, sir, please, sir? Going in then? No, she'll only reject me in the end. I'll be frustrated. And Bobby Love! Excuse me, the three young men I'm sitting with wondered if two of us could come over and join you. I'd ask you myself, only I'm shy. <laughs> Just for once, let's all try to behave like ordinary, respectable citizens. Max Films is proud to present The Beatles as you've never seen them before. Yeah, that's what they all say these days. Featuring an enhanced picture and a digitally restored soundtrack that's better than the original. Roger Ebert calls it one of the great life-affirming landmarks of the movies. A hard day's night. Very good, that, George. Oh, oh we're trying. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Set the way back machine. Yes, sir, Mr. Peabody. Hi, this is Nick Mason from Pink Floyd, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers at Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you missed any of our past shows for the last 12 and a half years, visit NostalgicRadioAndCars.com, and they're all there waiting for you to just flip the switch and listen and go back into time. Speaking of time, how are you doing this evening, Bobby? 
Oh, I'm doing well, and it's time to have the uh, first show of the new year here. The first show of the new year. Happy New Year's to everybody. I hope everybody had a really great, uh, I don't know, seven or eight, nine days, something like that, you know, and uh, a great Christmas and obviously a spectacular new year. And for us, we're optimistic, and we're going to have a better new year than we did last year, I think. Now we're about, uh, actually, I'll, I'll correct that to probably be 12 and three quarters because we're uh, Told, pretty pretty close to May here. Well, yeah, May will be. We will have been on the air officially for 13 years. That's pretty good. 13. That's a good number. See, we like 13. Anyway, I hope, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Well, you have to be optimistic. Yes. You know, always be positive. Anyway, we got a great show for you tonight. We got a very special guest for you, and we're going to open the year up with um, on a music note, so to speak. So stick around. we got uh, some pretty cool stuff coming on. Now, let me just give you some highlights real quick. Obviously, if you want to know where all the car shows are in Florida, check out Nostalgic Radio, or excuse me, flacarshows.com here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Well, now, technically, if you scroll down midway down the page on nostalgicradioandcars.com, you can just click her logo, and there you are. That's it. FLACarshows.com. Yeah. All right. So what's going on this weekend? This weekend, our good friends over there at Rooster's Hot Rod Shop is having their annual New Year's Eve cruise and drive and hangout party. That's this weekend. And Rooster's is located in their own backyard. Now, they do some pretty amazing cars. They're more traditional hot rodders, which I'm into, okay? And uh, so their number is, obviously, if you want to find out about it, more about it, well, visit the website, roosters.com. But, or Roosters Hot Rod Shop, rodshop.com. I'll get that straight. Okay, and they're at 12200 34th Street North in St. Petersburg. Can't miss them. There'll be a whole bunch of hot rods. It starts like around eh, 5 o'clock officially, but people start gathering like around 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. There'll be some burnouts and some music and some entertainment, a bunch of stuff for the kids, bouncy thingies, whatever they call it. What are those things? Bouncy houses? Bounce house, yes. Bounce house, yeah, stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Mecom starts this week, too. 9, 10, 11, 12 days. 4,000 cars. Think about this. 4,000. Like I mentioned a couple weeks ago on the show, I got the last, I got the email which said that their last consignment car, their 4,000th car, was a 1969 Boss 429 KKK number 1396, I think. And mine was 1399. Three cars away from mine. Mine was Royal Maroon. This one was Candy Apple Red. And you know, if you're not going to bid... It, like we always say, it's a really big car show and a really cool car show. It is. Think about this: four thousand cars, and it is just. Where else a, are you going to see that? Yeah, where else are you going to see that? I mean, you know, just pack the lunch, pack the kids, pack the wife, pack everybody, and go over and have a really, really good time. I mean, just amazing stuff. I mean, stuff that you see in magazines, they come to life right there for you. It's kind of like HSR, good friends at HSR, Historic Sports Car Racing. You follow the vintage races. You're familiar with some of the vintage race cars. You go to the vintage races. It's it's rolling history racing around the track. It's pretty, pretty cool. Then, of course, the latter part of the month is Scottsdale Car Week. So you've got Bear Jackson, you've got Gooding, you got RM, you've got uh, Bonhams, and you've got Worldwide. And the newest uh, player on the street is actually oh, wait a minute, there's a oh, yeah, one out in um uh, Oh, gosh, I can't think of it. It used to be Silver's. It's a new one. I just got the email on it the other day. And I'm sorry, I don't remember it. But uh, our good friends over there at the Arizona Concourse, they did that a few years back. It was a spectacular show. It took place at the Bellevue Biltmore Estate or Bellevue Biltmore Hotel. 
in uh, in 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 Arizona. And Arizona Scott's, Biltmore. The, the, Arizona, Bil- the Biltmore. Yeah, the Arizona. Not the Bellevue no, Biltmore. Right, 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 right. The Arizona Biltmore uh, Hotel in uh, in. Uh, yeah, Phoenix. There we go. I'll be close. I'll be okay. Anyway, and um, so that's that's a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to it. But they did it for like four years, and they stopped it, and now they brought it back, and now it's uh, downtown in Scottsdale. So um, that should be pretty um, spectacular. We got Bob Golfin coming on here in a couple of weeks, and he's a good friend of mine, and he's in, involved in it very heavily. So we'll find out about that. Just amazing cars. I mean, if you truly love cars, you know, just like last week we had uh, our New Year's Eve show, we we celebrated with uh, Bill Warner from uh, Amelia Island and you know just these cars these cars these type of cars um, absolutely are incredible they're works of art they're pieces of history very very it just it gives you an idea you know of, of where we were and the and the and the path we took to get where we are today anyway on that note I think what we're going to do is we're going to fire up the stereo here a little bit we're going to play what are we playing Bobby Ticket to oh, Ride we're on the Beatles oh, Ticket to Ride you got the some... you, you by tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars you have a Ticket to Ride to some really cool uh, interviews music and just some cool show hosts me and Bobby Bobby and I did I say that right? Anyway, hey, that's proper t- grammar. Yes, is it proper grammar? Okay. See, I, you know, even anyway. So I did graduate high school. I didn't finish college, but I. Anyway, hey, we're tuning. You're tuning into Nostalgic Radio Cars. We'll touch that dial. We'll be right back. Enjoy. Take it to ride. The Beatles. further than flacarshows.com on your computer or on your mobile device flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles whether you're looking for car shows cruise-ins meetups automotive festivals cars and coffees or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine then this is a site for you check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com 
you may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Now, you know I'm in the biz, right? So every once in a while, I kind of have to have some automotive stuff done. So I would like to give a few shout-outs to a couple of good guys that I had to patronize this week. And one of them is our good friends over there at Dependable Drive Shaft. Now, they took a friend of mine's BMW 3 Series race car drive shaft, had to replace a U-joint. Now, that's something I wasn't sure. Never seen this before, but, the, you know, normally there's a C-clip that holds a U-joint in. No, not this thing. This thing had some special punch that basically pushed the metal down and kind of held it, held the cups in place. And you had to have a special tool to to remove it and to re-punch it. And I said, well, now you can only do that so many times, and then that drive shaft is that yoke is no good. He says, well, chances are you're going to have to do it twice in the lifetime of the car. I go, okay, well, this is going on a 3 Series race car. But anyway, and then a big shout-out to our good friends over there at iBell Performance. Um, they're the ones that always manage to keep my 911 running, and uh, they can keep your Porsche running, too, as well. And uh, our good friends over there at uh, Mitchell Collision in Lutz, um, they do some pretty good work there. It's a pretty decent body shop. they got state-of-the-art equipment, very clean. And uh, just a really good bunch of people to work with. So if you need some paint and body work and collision work done, go check out Mitchell Collision in Lutz. Okay. And uh, I think that put them. Oh, yeah. Then, of course, you know, the well, a couple of places, but I deal with them because it's wholesale. But a big shout out to my friends over there at Forte's Garage. Uh, really good guys down there. If you got your classic car, they are the guys to work on your classic Mustang. And then Tom Argue, big shout out to Tom. He builds SEMA quality cars. I was hanging down in the shop and there was a 67 Corvette Roadster down there that was absolutely undeniably beautiful. And it was that real pretty, kind of like a steel metallic, gunmetal blue. I can't remember what Corvette called it that year. It was a one-year only, I think, 67 color. Just a stunning car, and it's totally rust mod Half a million dollar project, just a beautiful car. What did we just do? Did I? Where am I at? Okay, and uh, did I just mention that? Did you give a couple shout-outs to my friends over there? Tom? Okay. Anyway, all right, so, Bobby, why don't you go ahead and fire up the stereo, and let's go ahead and get our guests on the loan here before we before I think of something else. And then I'll just, you know, gift the gab. You're tuning in to Nostalgic Reading Cards. Here is A Little Doors and Peace Frog. I said it right. Peace, Frog. Peace out, man.
Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The ceremony is about to begin. Bobby Krieger, guitar player. John Densmore, percussionist, 22 years old. Far out, man. Uh, Pamela Morrison, ornament. Raymond Daniel Manzarek, 121239, position. Name, occupation? Uh, Jim. Sides are being chosen. The planet is screaming for change, Morrison. We gotta make the myths. The Indians say the first shaman invented sex. They call him the one who makes you crazy. The god of rock. The guys at Network have told us that they have a little problem with the lyric, girl, we couldn't get much higher. They asked if you could say instead, girl, we can't get much better. Can you dig that? Girl, we couldn't get much higher. Love it when you sing to me. I'm the poet and you're my muse. Do you hear them out there? It's you they want now. Try drinking blood. Mr. Morrison, you've gone too far. You're a poet, not a rock star. What you gonna do for act three? Let's just say I was testing the bounds of reality. And now, direct from Los Angeles, California, ladies and gentlemen, here now, the door. Hi, this is Dave Mason, co-founder of the classic band Traffic and writer of a song which you all know called Feeling Alright. And you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and while we're on the subject of The Doors, uh, my special guest for the evening at one point had one of the largest independently owned record stores in San Diego, and later after he, uh, um, let's just say he retired from that industry, he co-founded with a group of friends the Morrison Hotel Gallery, which is basically a collection, a comprehensive collection, I might add, of art and photography of some famous and very well-known musical people out of the 60s and early 70s, specifically The Doors and The Beatles. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Rich Horowitz. Rich, how are you? Hey, man. Thanks a lot for having me on. This is uh, this is a real treat, and I'm I'm really glad that we got together and we could kick the the year off like this. Because me being a huge Doors and Beatles fan, um, and you yourself, so why don't you tell us, uh, give us a little background on yourself, and tell us how this all all began for you. And also, by the way, you're a musician and a car collector, and you're from Detroit. Correct, correct. Um, yeah, growing up growing up in Detroit, anything that had a motor on it intrigued me. So. 
didn't matter, mini bike, go kart, motorcycle, cars, you know, as long as it had a motor, I was into it. And then I was also collecting records as a kid because Detroit was such a great rock and roll town to grow up in. But uh, I left Detroit, you know, in the in the seventies, came to San Diego, and uh, opened a record store. I thought, man, you know, if I'm going to do something, might as well do something that I like. So I opened up a record store in 1978, and we became San Diego's largest indie store. You know, we had new and used records, we had rare out of print records, lots of imports, lots of you know indie label stuff. Um, as you and I spoke the other day. Uh, you know, we had a Nirvana in-store. We were one of two stores in the country that Nirvana actually played a show, and they played like a 30-minute set in our store, which, by the way, you can still see on YouTube. If you just YouTube Nirvana Live off the record San Diego, uh, you can actually see the whole performance. It was it was quite amazing. Um, we didn't realize, you know, how amazing it was at the time, but it uh, ended up being a really, you know, historic moment. So opened up the record store. We ended up growing it to three locations. And it was a great time. I mean, it was, you know, the punk thing was happening. And, of course, all the British invasion had already happened. But we were big fans. And we um, had the store for 25 years. And I would say the first 23 were really, really fun. Uh, last couple got pretty challenging, you know, because... Napster was happening, and CDs had kind of taken over for vinyl, and it was just a huge, huge shift in the industry. So, luckily, I was able to get out of the record business after 25 years. Um, but during that time, uh, I was also working with the John Lennon estate. You mentioned you were a Beatles fan, and I don't know if you were aware that John Lennon was actually an artist yes. before he was a Beatle. So he was drawing, he, he loved to draw. He started drawing when he was actually quite young, you know, 11, 12 years old. But in 1969, um, John released a portfolio of 15 lithographs. They were called Bag One. And they were called Bag One because they all were sold, all 15 lithographs were sold in a big vinyl bag. And of course, John's quirky sense of humor um, he had these available for sale, and of the 15 lithographs, eight of them were erotic drawings of him and Yoko. And by today's standards, I mean, incredibly tame. But in 1969, they were pretty edgy, and that coupled with the fact that the uh, government in the U.S. was kind of looking for ways to get John out of the country. So they were raiding his art shows. He did a, He was doing art shows. He did one in London. He did one in Detroit. He did one in New York. The police actually raided the shows and confiscated the artwork, shut the shows down. And John was so frustrated after that because he really wanted people to see the art, and, and he was selling the art. I mean, these were hand-signed by John. Every lithograph was hand-signed by John, so they were incredibly cool. Um, but he was very frustrated after that, and he basically stopped showing his artwork after those shows. Uh, they took him to court, charged him with obscenity. They lost the case. The government lost the case um, because they were actually comparing some of John's drawings to Picasso drawings. There were some very lovely sketches that he did. But uh, 
so the Bagwan lithographs sort of faded into obscurity for a long time, um, but, you know, over time they became more and more rare, and people obviously wanted to own these because they were hand-signed by John. So I started touring with this artwork. Um, in the mid-'80s, I was lucky enough to acquire a portfolio. I was a, I was a fan again, you know, since I was a kid. was able to acquire a portfolio, and through a, a series of very lucky happenstance things, um, I met Yoko's assistant. And she basically said, you know, we don't really have any galleries representing this artwork. So if you and your partner want to take it on the road, we'll give you the full support of the Lennon estate. And she was only letting two people at the time do that. Um, and so we did our first Lennon exhibit in 1990. And what we thought was going to be, you know, one or two or three opportunities <laughs> turned into a 26-year run of about 100 exhibitions across the U.S. and Canada. So it was a huge thrill for me, as you can imagine, because being a Beatles fan from the time I was a kid and having the opportunity to show this artwork to the world was just an amazing thrill. And, and what happened was, after John passed away in 1980, Yoko had hundreds and hundreds of original drawings that he had done. So she started in 1986, started releasing these posthumous editions of John's artwork. She was signing them just to authenticate that they were coming from directly from her, but she would make these editions. They would do editions of 300 prints, just like John did with his lithographs. And so she made those available to us as well. And we would have, oh, anywhere from 80 to 100 works of art in the shows. They were all free to the public. Anybody could come in and, and peruse and look at the artwork, and we would tell them stories behind the artwork. Um, and they were available for sale. But basically, the exhibitions were completely free. And um, it was just an amazing time. It was just a, an absolute blast. How and it was through the Lennon art that I met my dear partner, Henry Diltz. Okay. And when Henry contacted me, this was like 22 years ago, you know, and, and was started talking about, you know, himself, I said, man, I own every record that you shot the cover for. I'm very familiar with your, with your photography. Long story short, Henry and I became partners. We started doing a few pop-ups around the country, like I did with the Lennon art. And we opened our first permanent gallery uh, in New York City, um, like 22 years ago. And we only opened with Henry's work. I mean, we loved Henry's work, of course. You know, you had mentioned The Doors, mm -hmm. and Henry shot The Doors Morrison Hotel album cover, um, you know, as well as about 200 other album covers. And it was, you know, all, all the music that I loved, the whole Laurel Canyon scene, the singer-songwriters, so we opened up our gallery in New York City, just showing Henry's work, but all these other photographers kind of started coming out of the woodwork, all these famous music photographers that never really had any representation. And they loved the fact that I was a rock and roll nut. They loved the fact that I owned record stores. So little by little, you know, they started saying, well, you know, you've got this cool gallery and your partner's with Henry, so we'd like you to represent us as well. And so, 
from from one photographer, we now represent 125 photographers. And it's not just rock and roll. It's it's jazz from the 40s and 50s. It's hip-hop. It's punk. It's, you know, almost, you know, metal. And almost any genre you can think of, we have represented on our website. But, you know, it's just, it's been an amazing ride to think that, I was actually able to do something that I love and make a living at it. Is um, it's been an amazing, amazing ride for me, and I, I never ever take it for granted. Well, it's really you know, you and I are roughly in the same age bracket, so you know we grew up in the '60s, and you were either into sports, music, cars, cars and music, usually because they always went hand in hand. And, right. uh, and and guitars, obviously, because you you got guitar, you're a guitar guy too, and uh, so. But that background, it's just like you know, and we're in in some respects, we're kind of like stuck in our little our decade there, which is the '60s, really. I mean, the '70s were cool, but the '60s music is especially '65 to '70. That that's just that was some breakthrough music, some really good stuff, and uh, and 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 your your gallery. Has has and, and you know representing the Doors and obviously the Beatles, not to mention uh, numerous other bands. But because of your background growing up listening to music, you're very you know. And if you probably read some of the magazines and some of the articles back in the day that were written, you're kind of educated. You're in touch and in tune with 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 the whole that genre. Okay, so now here you are, fast forward in the 2000s, and you're teaming up with Henry. And also, there's a Mick Fleetwood connection here too, right? There is. Yeah, actually, our, our third gallery, we opened our first gallery in New York City. We opened our second gallery in West Hollywood. And then uh, about six years ago, Mick actually came into our L.A. gallery, and he really loved the way the gallery looked and felt. And he, on Maui, Mick lives on Maui. He has a restaurant called Fleetwood's on Front Street. And below the restaurant, the restaurant's on the second floor, below the restaurant, he had this sort of little gallery that he called Fleetwood's General Store. But it wasn't really so much of a gallery. It was, you know, they were selling some vinyl and guitar picks and shot glasses, you know, just kind of little memorabilia stuff. But he really kind of wanted to raise the bar on that. So he invited us, he invited Morrison Hotel Gallery to come to Maui. And, of course, we were thrilled. We jumped at the chance. And so six years ago, we partnered with Mick and we turned Fleetwood's General Store into Morrison Hotel Gallery, and that's where we are now. And it's um, the fun, fun place. I don't know if any of your listeners ever make it over to Maui, but if they do, we're right in the middle of Lahaina, right in the middle of Lahaina, and uh, great folks working there. You know, they know all the backstories. That that's the other piece of the photography is you know you can look at a photograph. And it's one thing to look at the Doors Morrison Hotel album cover and go, man, that's a really cool cover. But the backstory to that album cover is fantastic. It's funny. It's something that really, you know, maybe could never happen again. I don't know. Did we talk about that story, Robert? No, but yeah, absolutely. Well, briefly, I'll just kind of highlight it, and then you emphasize on it. But basically, they were walking past the hotel or this this old abandoned hotel, I I think it was, and it said Morrison Hotel, and they said, "Hey, this would be a great place to to do a shot." And somehow they snuck in there real quick. And what Henry happened to be with them? Is that how the whole deal went, or what happened? No, no. Actually, actually, Ray Manzarek had seen the hotel. Okay, that's flop house. 
Oh, it was okay. a it was an actual hotel, but it was it was a flop house. I mean, that sign in the window that says two fifty a night. I mean, that was legit. <laughs> if you can imagine, you know, even in nineteen sixty nine. A hotel room for two dollars and fifty cents. You got to be a little scared of that, right? right well, well, hold on, hold, hold on. I got to tell you this. In in the early, I grew up in San, in Marin County. My mom and dad had a motel in San Francisco, and in nineteen sixty one, sixty two, we were renting rooms at Lombard Street during the convention season for four and five dollars a night. So I buy it. Wow, crazy! So good. So, so Ray Manzarek actually said, "Hey, man, there's a school hotel. Let's go down there and and take some shots." So. Henry drove down there with the band. They actually went down there in, um, in I think it was in John Densmore's, it might have been Robbie Krieger's V-Dub bus, right? Mm-hmm. And they get down to the hotel, and Henry walks in the front door, and the guy behind the counter is standing there, and Henry says, hey, I'm here with some friends. We just want to take a few shots. And the guy says, oh, absolutely not. you got to talk to the owner. you got to get his permission, and he's not around. So he basically kind of kicks him out. And when they're standing in front of the front window, Henry looks inside, and he sees the guy get in the elevator. And he says to the band, quick, run in that front window. So they literally run into the lobby of the hotel. This is not staged. This is all, like, spontaneous. They run into the hotel, take these spots. Henry shoots one roll of film. They run out, and boom, that becomes the album cover. So cool. So cool. Yeah, and, and that's kind of how Henry rolls. I mean, Henry never set shots up. It was never, you know, when he was shooting the first Crosby, Stills, and Nash album, that wasn't a set-up shot. That was just kind of happenstance. And, you know, every one of Henry's shots has a really fun story behind it. So that's a whole nother piece, you know, to photography collecting. Um, you know, it's just, you know, learning the story. Kind of like, you know, with vintage cars, you know, what's the provenance? What, you know, who owned that car? What's, what was going on with it? You know, it's, it's the same lines, you know, collectors, us collector bunches are, are a freaky bunch, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's really tons of fun. Well, now you had, uh, you, I think you've also done some stuff with Tom O'Neill. Tom was on our show a few years ago. He did, uh, what, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young album, right? That was his, the Deja Vu cover. The Deja Vu cover. And then there's another... Yeah, we represent we represent Tom's work. You know, he did a lot of great stuff in Laurel Canyon, just like Henry. You know, a lot of the singer-songwriters, Joni Mitchell. and Yeah, Tom, Tom's got some fantastic work. And then, uh, and I want to get back to a quick Tom story here. And then there's another guy that I want to talk a little bit about, and you probably know or connect with him, too. Is it Frank Lisiandro? Did I pronounce that right? Frank Stefanko? No, I think it's Lisiano. He's the one that supposedly there's a YouTube channel which showed he did a film with with uh, Jim Morrison driving the Shelby, the Blue Lady. Uh, oh, okay, okay. And apparently he was friends with them. And then I guess there was another guy that was uh, that used to do some stuff with him, and I believe his name was uh, Paul Ferrara, 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 something like uh, yep, that. Yep, yep. Okay. Paul shot some really cool Doors uh, stuff. He did early on stuff, right, with them. Really early. Okay, because I think they all went to LA to LA, uh, UCLA together. I think is that what it was. I, I'm not sure, but I, you know, I do. I actually have some of Paul's work on the website as well. Okay, now let's go back to most a top- of Paul's work. Now is is actually owned by um, the Doors Estate. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Tom O'Neill. Tom, when he was on our show, and you can finish the story because you have a 
cool ending to the story. So Tom was at the Monterey Pop Festival, and Jimi Hendrix yep. was there playing, right? So Tom yeah. was, up for the first couple of days there, I think he was in front taking pictures, but he wanted to get a side shot of Jimi Hendrix. Well, apparently when he switched with another photographer, and there was a pole in the way, or something was in the way, and he couldn't get these really, really good shots, and it was right when Jimi Hendrix lit the guitar on fire, so now you take the story from there. Well, there was, there was really two photographers that captured that amazing moment. Uh, Jim Marshall, who was a very, very famous San Francisco photographer, uh, and another, actually, another Bay Area photographer named Jerry DeWild. Um, so they both shot Jimmy lighting his guitar on fire. Uh, do you know why Jimmy lit his guitar on fire? No. Well, there's are stories, but go ahead and tell us what's the real one. Well, there was a there was a coin flip to see who was going to go on last. Was it going to be Jimmy or was it going to be the Who? And Jimmy knew, you know, that if the Who went on last, they were just going to kill it because they would thrash their, you know, guitars yeah. and yep. their amplifier. So that was that was Jimmy's response, you know, to the who busting everything up. So he had to he had to do a one one better than them, and that's what he did. You know, poured the lighter fluid on the guitar, and boom, lit it on fire, and that became such a famous moment at Monterey Pop. I mean, that's just a historical moment. Now Jimmy you, blew everybody away. No, no, no doubt. And then, so you've got the photographer, the photographer that took that picture. You have that on your in your uh, in the Morrison Gallery. We do. Okay, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. I actually, I actually own that photograph because I was a huge fan, and you know, I loved loved what went on at Monterey Pop. Now, speaking of which, did you go to any concerts like uh, memorable concerts back then? You're obviously from Detroit, so you know you got MC5, you got Nugent, Seeger, or yep. it was back the the Seeger. What was it, Silver Something Connection or whatever it was, the Seeger? Well, no, back then it was just the Bob Seeger system. Bob Seeger system, that's what it was, yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, let's see, I'm trying to think. There was a couple other, and obviously Motown. You're a big Motown. You got Amboy Motown. Dukes. Amboy Dukes, that's right. That was uh, Ted Nugent before he was with uh, Yeah, Bob Journey Seeger. to the Center of Your Mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we, Michigan had a really, really cool festival called the Goose Lake Music Festival. So that uh -huh. was the festival I was at. Um, and it was actually still... Again, you know, collector geek. I still have my handbills and my posters from the po you know from the show. But uh, Goose Lake was a fantastic festival. It was probably about two hundred thousand people near Jackson, Michigan. So I was at that festival. Um, I, I didn't go to Monterey Pop because I was still in Detroit. I was still a bit young for Mon you know to be flying out to concerts. Um, and I didn't go to Woodstock. Uh, you know, I, I have a number of friends that did, and of course Henry. Was the uh, Henry Diltz was was actually the official photographer? There's a couple of photographers that lay claim to that, and Henry was actually the only one hired by Michael Lang and paid to come there. And he was there two weeks before the show started. So Henry's got photos of all the people building the stages, and you know he said it was kind of like summer camp. You know everybody was you know hanging outside. And, eating sandwiches and building stages and then he said all of a sudden he looked up on the hill and there was a couple people sitting there and then you know little by little it just you know grew and grew and grew and of course you know the rest is history but henry was actually hired and paid by michael lang to come there and he was the only photographer who was allowed to sit up like right you know on the stage behind the stage right where all the filmmakers were um so yeah, I mean Henry was standing 
right next to Jimi Hendrix on Monday morning at like 5 a.m. when he played the Star Spangled Banner. Jim, uh, 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 Greg Raleigh was uh, one of the co-founders of uh, Santana with um, with with uh, Carlos, and they were all there at uh, at at Woodstock, right? So, for, as the story goes, this is Greg Raleigh on our show a number of years ago talking about how he's they were trying to get into town for something or leave or whatever it was, and there was a blue Corvette in front of him that just weaving all over the road, right? And Greg was behind this car, and he just couldn't figure out, well, what was, what, what's the matter with this guy? I mean, left and right and, and this land and that land. Finally, Greg got around him. When he looked to see who was driving the car, it was Jimmy. And there's, and there's, and there's validation. There's true, truth to the fact that Jimmy was, had a 69 Corvette, a blue 69 Corvette back in the day. Wow! That's, so that that's somehow a, I don't picture Jimmy in a Corvette. I, you know what? I mean, I, it's, it's kind of like some of the guitars. You know, I, I tried to research some of the guitars that he's had. You know, like, and at one point I ran across some article that said he actually played Defender Mustang. Well, there's a guy on a website that does this that talks about the the gear that certain musicians played, and that's the one guitar that he doesn't talk about. But apparently he did at one point in time because there was another article I read. So, you know, you always have to kind of do your own research a little bit, and you have to kind of fact check it a little bit. But yeah, there is there's a lot of stories about um, Jimmy and the Blue Corvette, no different than than uh, Jim Hand or um, Jim Morrison with the Blue Seventy Seven Shelby. Shelby. Yeah, right. Which I'm yeah, still yeah. trying to find. I want you to know that. The I'm, Shelby or the the Shelby or the picture of the Shelby? The Shelby. <laughs> the Shelby. The blue lady. It's out there somewhere. I was in Arizona. I thought I found it because I found a blue 67 Shelby in some guy's backyard in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I and I knew the serial number of the car, which I'm not going to reveal, but it's you know, it's out there. Because this other guy yeah, yeah. In, in, in Massachusetts somehow managed to buy the registration, the pink slip to that car. And then to continue with the Jim Morrison story, I'm in Clearwater, Florida. Jim's grandparents used to live here. In fact, where they used to live is four blocks from this radio station. So the radio oh, no station kidding. is in this area, which is, and it's always been in this area. So Jimmy, somehow, his his vibe is in our area here. That's why we play a lot of Doors music, because Jimmy, his spirit's still roaming around Clearwater here. Oh, that's really, really cool. And, and his parents lived on Coronado right here in San Diego. Well, how about that? That's just, you know, right. as, what a connection. Yep, yeah, pretty pretty cool stuff. It's like the, it's like the guys that found the uh, the Bullet Mustang, right? From yep. Steve McQueen film. Well, the so, one that I, they I found, there was, there was two of them. There was that, a couple of them, right? Yeah, there was, well, a couple of film cards. They found the one in Mexico, and then uh, the one that, uh, that um, uh, I can't think of his name right now, Kernan is his McQueen? name. Yeah, the original one that he had. That was that sold at Meekums a couple of years ago um, for right. for three and a half or four million whatever it was somewhere in that price range. But so give, right, us, right. give us a couple other really cool stories of some of the other really interesting encounters that you've had. Um, you know, met some really really fun people. You know, because of Henry. I mean, I've I've you know spent a lot of time with Graham Nash. I've uh, been to Graham's house in Kauai before he left and moved back to New York. Um, you know, Jackson Brown. Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, you got a Dave, con- Dave, Ro- Dave Mason connection, had too, Ro- right? I had, had, had Roger Waters in the gallery oh. uh, looking through proof, through proof sheets. Um, that's kind of funny because, you know, of course, anybody that meets Roger Waters, of course, is, you know, going to gush and talk about what a huge Pink Floyd fan they are. And so I thought I would take a little different tack. We had a really young photograph of Roger Waters in England with these two cats 
sitting in in the photo, and I so I I figured, you know what, I'm going to ask him about his cats. <laughs> kind of caught him off guard, but he really loved telling stories about his cats. We're um, talking kitty cats now, right? We're talking kitty cats, felines. Okay. okay, yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. So that was kind of fun. We, um, you know, we had Robbie Krieger uh, in the gallery. We did, a, you know, a big event with Robbie. Uh, I guess it was just before COVID. Our gallery in in West Hollywood is actually in a hotel, uh-huh. and it's in a rock and roll hotel it's called the Sunset Marquee. And the Marquee just has this amazing rock and roll history. So we set up a big stage, and uh, we had Robbie Krieger there, and and he was playing, and we had couple of the other photographers, you know, playing harp with them, and Miley Cyrus was jamming with them and doing Roadhouse Blues, and it was just a, it was a really fun night. We didn't think Robbie was going to want to play more than, like, one or two songs. He ended up, you know, being up there for, like, an hour. Oh, cool. And, uh, and you and I talked about, you know, Gibson SG, man. It's, you know, that's a guitar I've always wanted. I never, I never owned an SG, but I always wanted one. And that's what Robbie plays is an SG. That is yep. just... Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's been just such a fun ride because being such a huge rock and roll fan, uh, you know, anytime any of, you know, have an opportunity to meet any of these people, it's just, it's a huge thrill for me still. Um, one of the funniest stories, I, I wasn't in New York at the time, but we had this woman in the gallery, there's this awesome shot of uh, Springsteen in front of a 1960 Corvette. Uh, it was on the front of his book, actually. Okay. And we represent the photographer that shot that. He's a terrific friend. His name's Frank Stefanko. He took that shot. And we have it in the gallery. And, and this woman was in there, and she's kind of trying to decide between these two Bruce photographs. And Bruce walks in the gallery. No way. And is, yeah, is kind of standing behind her. And, and he goes, I'd take the Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually wrote the whole story out for her on the back of the photograph. No kidding. Yeah. Wow, and that Cor- that Corvette was on display in Philadelphia. Uh, we did a big show in Philly, uh, probably about eight years ago, um, with Bruce at the National, got uh, a huge like, convention center in Philly, and they and they actually had the Corvette on display there. Interesting, interesting. Well, since we're on the subject of cars, we got a few minutes left. You got you're, you you have uh, some notable cars in your own personal collection. Why don't you tell us a few about those? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a I'm an analog kind of guy. I'm not a digital guy, and I and I don't. I, I just I kind of like original stuff. Yeah. Just that, always what I've collected, whether it was records or guitars, and so I have a, a 1970 um, XKE E-Type Roadster. Um, you know, just matching numbers. It's all original. It's not you know, and, I, and none of these are show cars, right? These are I, I drive. I like to drive the cars that I own. I don't buy them to show. I don't buy them to do anything with other than drive them because I love driving old cars. So I have a 70 E-Type that I've had for quite a long time. Um, before that, I had a, a, a 1954 XK120 Roadster and a 1967 Pontiac GTO because I had to, to give a nod to Detroit, right? Okay. But I sold both of those. I bought the E-Type. And then about a year ago, um, I was lucky enough to find a Porsche 914-6. Um, and you probably are aware the, the 914-6s were not the V-Dub engine, right? The, no, it's a 911, 2-liter. Yeah. Yep, yep. It's got the 911 engine in it. And it's a blast. It's like just a kind of a fun go-kart. It handles really, really well. All matching numbers. Um, you know, 
about 60,000 miles on it, but all original, all original interior paint. Um, and then I was lucky enough to find a 1972 a BMW E9 uh, about two months ago. Okay, and, very uh, rare car. Three liter, a CS yeah, car, two-door coupe. Yeah, just, I've, I've always loved the styling of that car. Mm-hmm. You know, I've looked at them for years and years and years and finally had an opportunity to pick this one up and same thing matching numbers you know real clean all original um i think it's also got about 60 or sixty-five thousand miles on it but you know just drive just drives great you know manual tranny four speed a lot of people you know like to put the five speeds in them for the overdrive but i just i like to just keep them how they were when they were sold yeah and just love driving them that's my passion is just i like to just get out on a day and Spend an hour or two by myself just driving old cars. It makes me feel great. That's what we call a little high-velocity meditation. You bet. <laughs> On that note, we are up against the clock, Rich. Why don't you go ahead and give out all the information so people can find out more about the Morrison Hotel Gallery. This has been a, this well, has been thanks, a great man. show. I truly enjoyed having uh, you on. Well, I appreciate you having me for the first show of the year. Yeah, check the gallery out if you're a music fan uh, of any genre. It's just morrisonhotelgallery.com just think of the Doors album you know Morrison Hotel and morrisonhotelgallery.com we have a lot of cool stuff and even if you're not looking to buy you probably have a really lot of fun just perusing the site we also have a cool section on the site called Behind the Lens and they're basically videos of a lot of our famous photographers telling their stories so if you have some time to kill and you just want to listen to some great stories by some great photographers, uh, go onto the website and look at Behind the Lens. Sounds great. Hey, do you know this song? Does this ring a bell? Does this ring a bell, this song? You there? Rich? Yeah, I'm, I'm listening. All right. Break on through to the other side. This is our closing song, yeah. and it has been since day one. So we are huge Doors <laughs> fans. a great one, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we opened with Inagata Vida. You know, and we close with, uh, and I'm sure you probably have a uh, a uh, Inagata Vida story, but we'll do that the next time because we're definitely going to have to have you back. In the meantime, I want to thank you very much for coming out and hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio Cars, and uh, we look forward to having Henry and maybe Robbie and a couple other guys on our show. Mick Fleet would be also interesting. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on. Okay. Hey, I want to thank all my special guests for tuning in to Sales Related Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday between 7 and 8 p.m. here on the Tan Talk Radio Network, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.